Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Uh, We're going to be in Exodus 22 tonight. Okay, so just to recap, for those of you who haven't been here, we've been marching verse by verse, book by book through the Bible, and we're in Exodus. And so in chapter 18, we had Moses was doing all the work as far as it came to judging the people. And if we uh, study the text, we know there was up to about 3 million Israelites at the time. So can you imagine... I know how Pastor Mike and the pastors are busy here dealing with counseling or what have you. You can imagine one man dealing with all the judging that's going on in this nation. So his father-in-law comes up and gives him advice and says, Hey, listen, you're going to burn out. It's too much for you to do it all, all yourself. Appoint able men that will be able to judge and carry on what God wants them to do as we go case by case as we're going through these case laws. Okay, that was in uh, chapter 18. Then in 19 and 20, they go to Mount Sinai. All the Israelites go there to the mountain where God shows up in power and in might and speaks. And um, he gives Moses the Ten Commandments to go down to give the people. And then uh, last week, uh, Jordan shared in 21, and he began to start what's called... The case laws are case by case, kind of smaller incidents. We'll see they're not so small, but these were things that as they came up, laws, that this is how they were to judge. And I want to start in verse 31. The first part. And you shall be holy men to me. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just speak through all of us. Um, Lord, you know that I've sat and read and and prepared, but Lord, I ask that you would speak. It wouldn't be nothing of me, but it would be what you want to say and what you want to reveal to all of us. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you and pray, God, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you shall be holy men to me. Any of us that have kids here, we have kind of laws or rules, yeah? You lay out rules and laws that you want these kids to obey. Why? Because you love them. They're not just, thou shall not do that because I say so. It's because you don't want them, like, not to climb up on the stove and put their hand on the fire and get burned because they'll be hurt. You don't want them to run out in traffic and play ball in the street on a busy street because you don't want them to get run over. So each one of us, or individually as families, have soft fit how we want to raise our kids so that they can be successful in life, so that they'll grow into maturity. So as we look at this, I want you guys to take that view, uh, kind of a spyglass, if you will, or eyeglass, 
as we're going through to take that look at it's not just laws that God is laying out. They are. They are. We're going to read that. They're, they're case-by-case situation. But also take that look of God taking a people that have been in bondage for 430-plus years in idolatry under an idolatrous nation and all their gods and everything that they were worshiping. Now, God basically has got these children, right? All these people, not all of them are walking with God and all of them were right. A lot of them were steeped in the sin, and we're going to see why because of some of the laws that they dealt with. So we see, we're going to see here, if you take that view as well, that God is loving them as a father. And he wants to see them mature and grow as well as have justice. Amen? We'll start in 22.1. And we'll read 1 through 4. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his his, uh, theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore double. So basically what you got here is breaking and entering, right? This is a a burglary coming on, the guy sneaking in. And what it says here, and this is the way I read it. You guys can correct me later if you want. But the way I read it is this guy sneaking into the house, and it's at nighttime, and somebody comes into his house, and the next thing you know, he conks him over the head. He can't really see. They're not walking around with flashlights, and things like that in that day. Maybe candlelight if they're quick enough to get something going. So you've got somebody prowling around in the house at night to rip them off. And they get clobbered and kills that person. Well, what they're saying in this incident is that he, the, the person, the owner of the house, would not be guilty of bloodshed. But it says when he goes in, if it happens during the day, that's a different story. And I went like, well, I don't get it. But as I looked into it... He comes in on the day, you could see that he's not really a, th- a threat to the family. You could see he's going for the ox and the sheep or what have you. And you could call for help or you could chase the guy down. In the daylight, it's a lot different, right? So we look at this and it says that, this, that he's got to replace uh, five ox, oxes for one. And the reason why is that ox just wasn't just an animal. This was their their livelihood. An ox was to somebody have an ox in that day. That's how they plowed their fields. All their labor they put upon this ox. So it was a valuable thing. Their their productivity in life would rely on this ox. Sheep that they had, they would use sheep for sacrifice for food. They didn't have the stuff that you and I have. Like they stole the TV. They stole all the stuff. These were necessities. These were things that they needed to to live. So you got this guy breaking in. He breaks in at night or day. You see what happens. Am I looking at this? I'm going, well, man, the laws have changed, haven't they? 
I had to look it up I just to make sure it's still true. But I know in Montana, if somebody jumps into my house day or night and I'm packing, I can take them out. That is a trip. How far we've gotten. We see God here not only cares, as Jordan pointed out last week, not only cares for the homeowner, but he also cares for the guy doing the crime. And that ministers to me as someone that falls way short in the glory of God that he, he, he cares about the lowly. He's not just cared about the homeowner. He cares about life. He cares about people. And so we see him making these provisions. You and I, man, I know some people who live in the backwoods in Montana. They, you, go, you show up on their pop property in the middle of the night. You get shot, and then they drag you in the house and make the phone call and say, look it, somebody tried to break in. Things are different view than what I read here. And that's what we want to keep in view as we're reading this as well. How the Lord spoke to me on this. How far things have changed. We're talking about laws here tonight. And as we grow in the, in the end times, the Bible says that lawlessness will abound. And so some of the things as we go through some of the laws that we have in place today are evil. They're really not godly at all. Okay? Keep that in mind as well. And so another uh, thing I also want to point out as far as application. You know, a lot of this. uh, Okay, we're not to steal. I think, what is it, the Eighth Commandment? I'm not quite sure, but do not steal. Okay, everybody can agree with that. But how about something like uh, you're at a restaurant and a waitress comes up to you and they give you the check and they forgot a whole meal. Wow, honey, you scored. Come on, we'll take that money. I'll go buy you a cup of coffee, what have you. Or, I mean, to me, that's stealing. Or you're going to go to the waitress, go, hey, excuse me, ma'am, and say that you made a mistake here. You forgot to charge us for a whole meal. What does that say to the person when we, when we live a righteous life for God and we do the right thing, right? Or somebody gives you the wrong amount of change and you're walking outside going, dude, I only gave him a 10. I got two 20s here. What, what's going on? Wow, praise God. Lord, bless me. I really needed the money. Or walk back in and be a great example again for God. So we're not to steal, but we're also those gray areas. God is watching. And we've all had those opportunities where we could sit there and go, hmm. Yeah, Jesus has paid for it all. But think about what it does as we live godly and do it God's way. The example of the person who goes, what is this guy from Mars? Must be from Mars. I, I've never, anyone, nobody would give it back that money, right? Finding a hundred dollar bill in the store and then, hey, I think somebody dropped this. You know, that's, it doesn't happen in the world today. So by doing that, we can be a great example to uh, people for the Lord. So we're not to steal. Um, it says that uh, if the thief is found alive and he's not killed, 
that um, he's got to pay double. And it says if he doesn't have anything, then he's to be sold into slavery for six years. And then on the seventh year, he'd be free. So not only is the laws there, they're there for a deterrent, right? Same as with, as with our kids. We set up laws to protect them, to keep them safe, but to deter them from doing the wrong. If you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. There'll be punishment. Love you, don't want to do that. You'll get hurt if you do that. But if you do and you don't get hurt, you're going to get in trouble because we told you not to. So it's the same thing. He, he, restitution, there's going to be payment. The way it works here today in our, in our country is that people go away for six or seven years. And they come out, and in the statistics, most likely a lot of them, they're just fighting to survive when they're incarcerated. And I'm not downing it. We need jailhouses. They didn't have any police or jail or, you know, walking around, let's put these people in jail. So I'm all for incarcerating people, but we also want to be able to uh, rehabilitate to where they learn a lesson. And I think that the statistics are lower, that they, they just don't know any better, and they go out and hang with the same people. I watched, I watched them when I was doing jail ministry. It's a revolving door, right? you got guys going, man, I just can't wait to get out, and they're serving the Lord, they repent. The next thing you know, three weeks later, you walk in and do Bible, and they're like, Duh. because they're doing the same thing. There's been no, no rehabilitation, no change. So that's God's heart when he does this laws. It's not just do's and don'ts, but that it'd be a deterrent um, and that they could be changed. Uh, verse 5 and 6. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. So here I got a a picture. Um, What it's saying here is basically this. Hey, man, the neighbor's going away. He's going to uh, somewhere far away, right? The Exodus guy. And so, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my animals over there and fatten them up. Why waste mine, right? So he sends all his animals, goes over there, peeks over there. There's nobody around, opens the gate and lets his ox and his sheep go in there and pig out, right? And so we see a deceptive, deceitful heart. And doing in something like that. Not responsible living. And so we see that God, when he gets busted, he this guy has to bring him back into his own fields, his best vineyards, and watch the animals eat him out of house and home. Right? And so I, I, I'm picturing this doing that in today's day. It'd be like me doing something crazy like that with my neighbor's house and my little subdivision. Next thing you know, I got, I don't have any animals, but if I did, I'm back there and I'm letting them poop all over the back of their yard and this and that. You know, it'd be very irresponsible. And so God is saying not to do that. And it says here in verse 6, if a fire breaks out and catches in thorns, 
so that all the grain is burned and uh, the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. That's fair, right? We all got neighbors. We all own homes. Not all of us. But, you know, we have, I, have, I look at my subdivision. There's some pretty nice homes in there. And if I was careless, let's put it this way. Here's my, here's my little story. I don't do this because I'm just not very gifted in this area. But if I went out and burned some leaves or brush in the backyard, and it's a no-burn day, it's windier than heck. I got no water, no shovels. I'm not prepared at all, right? And I go in and go, oh, man, the Ram game's on. And I go in there and kick back and just watch the ball game. And the whole fire takes off in my neighborhood and it burns the house down next door. Yeah, somehow the insurance or whatever is going to take care of it. But they lose all their personal items and everything else. And so for you and I, and the way I see that as application for me, is that I'm called to live a responsible life. You and I, in whatever sphere we're in, are called to live responsibly because people are watching. I know for a fact the guys that I associated in my, in my subdivision are not saved. But they know all about Mudman and they know what we're doing, right? So if I went like this and just was very negligent and didn't live responsibly, it would reflect on who God is. And so as we look at these laws not only is God wanting them to be, you know, there's ramifications for their sin, but he wants them to be responsible, to live responsible, to use common sense. Amen? Amen? All right. Verse 7. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep and it is stolen out of the man's house... If the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox or a donkey, a sheep or clothing, or any other kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges. And whomever the judges condemn, they shall pay double to the neighbor. So what you got going on here is, and when I looked at this and I started looking at, on a selfish note, what could happen to me for doing a guy a favor, man, I could end up having to pay for this guy's stuff if somebody ends up ripping me off, right? But what it showed to me is that we... If we're going to do that, you need to prayerfully do that because we've had to take care of animals, right, Renee? Other people's things that you need to really pray about and make sure that that's what God would have you to do because you really, you and I become liable for the other people's stuff. And it all depends how you're dealing with, who you're dealing with. Some person will go, hey, no problem. It's okay, but someone else may be very offended and very hurt. So it's really something to consider that we really need to be trustworthy people. Obviously, you're trustworthy if somebody's going to let you hold their money, their rocks, all this. They trust you. Yeah? That's why they're bringing it to you. The way it's set up today, and you hear about it, most of the laws is that, and I'm watching it, 
I watch it through the politics and the things that are going on, you're presumed guilty right off the bat after an accusation. And we'll see that right here. It says, for any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox or a donkey, um, which another claims to be his. So this person's going like this. Wait a minute, hold on a second. That's my hat. He, that's my jacket. That's my ox. That's my sheep. And the way it works today is that all you have to do is somebody makes an accusation with no evidence at all, and it's, it's backwards now. What is it? it? We're presumed innocent until proven guilty is the way it's supposed to be. But the way it works out now is that we're guilty, and we've got to prove that we're innocent just because of, of what somebody said. Or accused us of. Crazy. Verse 10. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into the neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept it. And, and not make it good. So basically, nobody's seen anything. The animal's taken away. He's going like this. I promise to God, I didn't take it. As God is my witness, I didn't take it. And so he's making an oath before the Lord who sees everything. Right? Leaving the final judgment into God. And that should be good enough for the, for the person is what they're saying. Isn't this exciting? Right? It says in verse 12, But if, in fact, it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it uh, as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. So basically, um, if he finds it out and the animal's ripped apart, that's evidence that he didn't take it, the beast took it. Here, look at here it is. This is proof. Look at an animal got a hold of it. Okay, verse 14. And if any man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. It was hired. It came for its hire. So basically, um, it says what it says. If the guy borrows uh, an animal and an animal dies and the owner's not around, the guy that borrows got to take care of it, right? It'd be like me. Again, it's being, it's being honorable, trustworthy. I go to the neighbor across the street, and I got to borrow a snowblower, right? We're deep in trenches. No, hey, could I borrow? They're not cheap, right? So I'm in the snowblower, and I, I start chewing up some rocks, and I just rip up whatever that thing is on the middle. I've done that before, by the way, but it was mine. And I just go back and go, hey, man, look at what happened. I'm really sorry about that. Thanks for loaning it to me. <laughs> Christian or not, I don't think that that's, in most cases, is going to go over well. So when we borrow something, we need to, to, to take, especially as something like that that costs money, 
We need to be really willing to pay back anything that happens Why me borrowing that person's item as somebody's car, right? My liability transfers with the car. I used to sell car insurance. So my liability goes with their car, but hopefully they got insurance. Julie's back there going like this. Hopefully they got insurance, but I would definitely be willing to pay the deductible or do whatever I had to, to make it right for that person. If I don't have the money, they can sell me into slavery. I don't know what else to tell you. But that's the idea. We want to be um, representatives of God at all times. So if we're going to borrow something, we have to have that integrity to take care of it if we mess it up. Because what happens is that you, you, if you don't, you cause a division among the brethren and stuff just goes downhill from there. And people are watching. It's piss poor witness. Um, and it says here, if the owner was with it, he shall not make it good because it's basically going to Midway Rental and I rented it. Hey, I paid the money, the thing broke down. Not my problem. Same thing here. Uh, verse 16. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lives with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. So basically, you got sin, right? Guy seduces this woman. They sleep together before marriage. But here's, here's the penalty for that. You've got to pay the dowry and you've got to make her, her wife, make her, this woman your wife. This is the consequences for your sin for doing that. Now you've got to make her your wife, right? But then you've got Kevin come up and somebody did that to my daughter. I'm going, dude, forget it. I'm not saying that that would happen. I, whatever. This is a lousy analogy. It's off the cuff. But I am a dad. I, I would be very upset. I would feel ripped off. Not just me personally, but in those days... She loses value. Virgins were valued. Family got money, dowries for their, for their girls. Now she's lost her virginity and the, she's not getting married. It's going to be harder for somebody else to come along and want to marry her just because she's already blown it, so to speak. Um, but, you know, our, in our... Our day and age, you look at it, and people in this in this society, and I can only speak for the United States. I know that, you know, I thought of Africa when I thought of dowries. Kayla went to Africa. She's been there a couple of times, and one of the guys was up front and goes, don't worry, Kevin, I'll make sure they offer at least a cow and some chickens. Because that's what they do with the women over there. They offer a dowry, so to speak. And I said, she's worth at least three cows. Right. <laughs> but that's the idea is that the women there and you've watched some of these old English shows. I like all those English shows that the women get the dowry. You know, they have all these daughters, but all these suitors, they have to pay the dowry. They have to pay this fee for the family. Right. 
So they don't lose that if the dad says he doesn't want it. The guy still has to pay, right? But where I was going with this is, is so twisted nowadays. No, no. Um, hey, man, did you go out with that gal? How'd it go, you know? You know, all going down the gutter. But you and I as Christians and the young people here, as we're to save ourselves, we're to abstain from any kind of that behavior until marriage. That's what God says. And that would honor him, honor yourself, and honor family. But if you look out in the world today, they think you're crazy. What? What are you kidding me? That's nuts. Don't you want to get to know who she is? If you guys are even compatible. There's all kinds of things. You watch, We're bombarded in the movies. We're bombarded with the TV of, of relationships that are going on premarital, the sex, right? World that talks about sex, 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 all over the place and everything that comes along with it. Pornography, all the stuff that the world... So I'm looking at God going like this, talking about virgin, but I'm, I start thinking about there is no laws for any of that. You're free to do, hey man, whatever works for you. Whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good, you should do it. And instead, God's raising children here. And you and I, as godly parents, want to raise our children to go right. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. God's covered that through Jesus Christ. But we still have a standard. And the law, the Ten Commandments, the moral law, by the way, there's not a person in here that keeps them all. Right? That's why it's there, but it's still the standard. It's God's standard of holy living. And those are the things we should look to. And we're supposed to teach our kids or, or whoever you are to abstain until you're married. Because then you become that one union with God. And he's in it. And it's a good thing. Right? But we see that this, I feel sorry for the girl. I mean, there's two parties. It's a mutual consent. But it says the guy seduced her, right? And I know I have having daughters that have made mistakes. In the past. It's the woman gives herself. And this guy's just, it's all about money. But that was the culture. It's a money thing. My, my kids, my daughters, you couldn't pay me enough. Dollars. They're worth too much. They're more valuable in God's eyes as well. Anyway, quite a comparison and what I see going on today when it comes to this issue, right? And it's pretty light, pretty light punishment for what I see. He's got to pay the dowry, big deal. What if he's loaded? Yeah, no problem. Next, right? It's, but this is the, this is the law that, that God has, and this is the payment. Um, verse 18 these next few are pretty cut and dry you shall not uh, permit a sorceress to live now we're getting drastic you have all these other now it's saying you shall not let a sorceress to live a sorceress is a female I guess witch or witchcraft Somebody that's practicing that. And why God is so harsh with that is because you've got a woman 
that is controlled by demonic powers, which is anti-God, and everything they're doing for other people, fortune-telling, all that stuff, the gammon. I don't know all of the, you know, the stages of witches and all this and that, but let's face it, they're all serving the little g of this age and not the God of the universe, of, of eternity, our God. And so he's saying that instead of, and then I started going, well, wait a minute. There's people that I know that have come out of that lifestyle and are born again on fire. Well, we're in a different, Jesus is not here yet. God is holy and perfect, and he's got three million Israelites that just came out of bondage, obviously dealing with this, yeah? If it wasn't already happening amongst the people, there would be no law. That's my opinion, right? So God places this out and says, you've got to cut it out right now. Get rid of them. I go, well, I'm okay on that one. I don't, never done any of that, never dabbled in any of that. But I look at our world today. The Bible says in Galatians, and it says, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about witchcraft or sorcery. And in the original Greek, it's pharmakia, which means drug use. And Jordo and I were at work, and I'm going, dude, we were talking about this. And I'm at work, and I'm going, man, this country's gone way off base. I mean, the legalizing of marijuana. That's the, that's the next thing. And I don't know if I'm able to say that. This is probably the next battle in the church. It was alcohol, this and that. Now they're legalizing it everywhere. I looked at this. Jordan pulled up this uh, United States. There's like 10, I think, states that are... Um, it's for recreational. Montana's medicinal, but the, that's how that's how they do it. They bring it in like it's for medicinal. And they say, you know, yeah, you and I as Christians, just like every other law that these, this world has passed, we're outraged at first, and nothing happens, and we become numb to it. That's what's going to happen when they legalize it in Montana, because it's coming. They all start out with medicinal, and the next thing you know, it's legal, and it's okay to smoke pot. What's happening? That's craziness. My Bible says that that's witchcraft. I can testify to you that somebody was involved in that and heavier drugs. You open yourself up to all kinds of demonic influence. You do. And it is. It's a form of witchcraft. And so, just because we're not out praising uh, the devil, people that are doing drugs and this and that, according to the Bible, they're practicing witchcraft. And it says they shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. But praise God for me. And I know some other faces in this room that have tasted and seen that lifestyle. Hallelujah. We've been forgiven and set free. We've walked hands in hands with the devil in that. And now we're free. We don't do that anymore. But I'm doing these comparisons because I look at it and I go, the sorcerer, I know some people that have dabbled in all that and have been used God in a big way to reach people that are are trapped in the occult or they struggle with the occult. God's blatant saying, get rid of them. Um, Here's another great one here. Verse 19. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. And so the word for that is bestiality. 
And it's basically another perverted sexual practice that was obviously going on then. Right? Man or woman should not lie with an animal in a sexual relationship. God says, get rid of it now. Weed it out. Don't even let it go. Not that he doesn't love and he doesn't, he's not compassionate, but he has to judge. God is holy and perfect, can't have anything to do with sin. <clears throat> if he was allowed that to go on in the camp of three million people, it would be just like this United States of America. We become numb. Same self sex same sex marriages. What am I saying? Is that right? Yeah. Same sex marriages. Legal in some states. I remember when it first came out, oh my gosh, we're going down the tubes, this whole world. Now it's a it's like nothing. Right? Nothing's going on. Legalizing the marijuana. The latest thing, this blows my mind. It, and it should freak us all out. In some states, they've legalized abortion all the way up till birth. Let that sink in for a second. Legalizing abortion all the way up till birth. What in the world? The God of this age, the little G, has blinded the mind of the unbeliever. That's a human being. You know what I mean? It's not the little embryo that's like nothing, the egg. And it is something, by the way. I'm not trying to... This is a fully blown, developed human being ready to be delivered. And these laws are being passed, and it starts just a couple of states, right? All for health reasons. It makes good sense. You know, if the woman gets raped and she has to have... It makes... Whatever it is, it's silliness. There's ways to, to go around that. It's craziness. But that's how they sell it to you and I. That I, I am blown away that, that we live in a world that is becoming so dark where lawlessness is abounding incredibly. 56 years of age, headed on the other side of the mountain, going down, right? I've gotten to see enough to where I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. This is demonic. In the good old USA that supposedly was founded by evangelical Christians. That's what I was taught. But when it comes to freedom of religion, it said right off in the Bill of Rights that they're, they're not taking any kind of favoritism. You're free to do what you want. Craziness. We're looking how many thousands of years ago God taking his people out of bondage, setting up standards and laws, trying to deter them, to raise them. And then I look at where we are today. Bizarre. Isn't it? It is. So, basically get rid of them. Verse 20. He who sacrificed to any God except to the Lord, only he shall be utterly destroyed. That's where I was going with um, the First Amendment is what it is. <clears throat> the government shot. You can, you're free to worship whoever you want. You're free, go worship the doorknob, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're free to do what you want. God is no longer... And this is the start of this nation. Yeah? This is the start. 
you're free. God's saying, don't, don't sacrifice to anybody but me. Don't put any other God before me. And yet we see that uh, there was a time that they wanted to put mosques and stuff in, in places to where uh, terrorism succeeded. Islam, right? Which is not godly. Let's call it what it is. And all these other religions that are going on that have taken away from Christ Jesus and his death and his resurrection. There is no other religion on the planet that deals with sin once and for all. No other religion. Every other religion on this planet is works-based. And you're going, well, that's pretty narrow. Well, it is. Narrow is the, is the way. Broad is the road to destruction. And we see that going on in the U.S. of A. The more that we enable it, you know, you watch your news, you see who's being elected and all this stuff. I'm going, where were these people that are voting these people in that just want to turn this place upside down? Blows me away. Doesn't it blow you away? Somebody say amen. It's a trip. From me, born in 1962 to now, the, the, the disgust. It's, it's so swung the pendulum. And the Bible, as we're going to read later, it's going to get worse. Ah, great message, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> If you afflict them in any way, in verse 23, and they cried at all to me, wait a minute, verse 21, I'm sorry, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot. And I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. Dude, I mean people. <laughs> that is serious. But you know what? I love that about the Lord. I love that about the Lord. He carries, he cares so much for the needy. He really does. I, I see Jesus in my mind's eye hanging out with the lowest of the lowest. Unclean! Unclean! And he goes up and, and lays his hand on this guy and heals him. When's the last guy this guy was touched? The touch of another human being reaching out, breaking the barriers. Our Lord has broken all those barriers. Amen? So it also says the widows and orphans. In James 1.27, pure religion is taking care of widows and orphans. Praise God, I'm part of a ministry that, that feeds children and is in that realm. You know, the dollars that come in through Mudman are going out to, to feed and help needy children, needy people. Dude, you go to those... I've been to a couple of the third world countries, not like the rest of the pastor, but I'm going... Clicking my hills. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. After four days, and I'm on a 10-day trip. We're fat here. But I, I'm not going to be denied. I love turning on my hot water faucet. 
I like getting clean water out of my refrigerator that pours a little filtered water out. I like it. I'm blessed. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to beat myself up that God placed Kevin Hanks in the United States of America, a fat country. But you fly these jumbo jets, all this money coming into third world countries, and you can't even flush your toilet paper down the toilet. It's so radically different. They're needy. You know, there's a video of me, and you might see it if you come into Mudman. I'm walking with Pastor Mike into the dump that now has got houses everywhere, I understand, in Guatemala. But you're walking through this dump, and people are going through the garbage to look for food. It's, it's beyond. But our Lord, He cares for the needy. You know, you and I as a church, we need to be caring for the needy. There is no pecking order. He cares for people. Yeah, I want to be that kind of guy. I'm not. I'm the guy that says, hey, uh, it's, turn up the heater. Spoiled, I guess. Um, but he says that he, his wrath is going to become hot. He's going to take care of him. So, he may not blow you out of the water or me out of the water, but the seriousness hasn't changed. If we start oppressing those that are less fortunate than us and taking advantage of those people, poor women have no covering of a man in their home. They have God Almighty, yes, but there's no one there covering this woman. She's got to be the man, the woman for these kids. And doing it all, and you got some other guy that comes and takes advantage of the situation. God says, I'm going to toast those kind of people. So you and I, it's an encouragement to keep looking out for the needy. Plenty of it around the United States. Um, I mean, they've got organizations now that are, you're feeding kids in the United States. Right? There are a lot of poor neighborhoods, and a lot of it, it, that's another story. Um, verse 25, if you lend money to uh, any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. I was teaching, talking with Jordan. I said, yeah, I need to borrow some money, you know, now that I read this and uh, you're not going to pay any interest, <laughs> right? We don't have to pay any interest. We're God's people, right? Dan, can I talk to you later? No, I'm just kidding. No interest is what it's saying. Don't be like the money grabbers. That, look at Back in 1917, 1920, everybody, I spent enough time with you guys, the kids. I've talked about the Federal Reserve and all this when I came to power. Everybody's going like this, not, he's not doing it, is he? That's when the bankers gave Congress the power to coin our money. There was no such thing as credit and all this other thing. Now, in the society as today, you're, you're as good as your credit score. You know, I own a home, but I don't know squat. The bank owns it. By the time I'm paying this house off in 30 years, dude, it's more than double, right? Everything that we get, unless you're well off and you can pay cash, a lot of it's financed. God is saying not to do that. He's basically, don't take advantage of those people that need to borrow money so that you can make a killing. Loan them the money, 
if you feel led of the Lord, but don't ask him for to make money. Because you're just, you, to me, yeah, we've done it. We've loaned money and not charge, I, charge interest. Yeah, give it to me when you can. And I think that's the heart of the Lord, or don't do it. And I know that there's a lot of wheeling and dealing and money going on, and people, I'm, not, I'm just saying this is what this says. Not to charge um, usury or, or interest. Uh, verse 29, you shall not delay to offer the first fruits of your ripe produce and your juices, the first burn of your sons, you, sh- you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your uh, oxen and your sheep. It shall be with his mother seven days, and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. And you shall be holy men, and you shall not eat uh, meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it all to the dogs. So basically the way I, I, I looked at this when I was about the first fruits, it was tithing. It's, it's, it's really this. The oxen, the car I drive, the house that I have, our very bodies are his. Everything. Everything is his. And what it's saying there is this set aside, consecrate your firstborn. Well, here's what I've done. All my kids are the Lord's. I remember Nathan, 43 years old. I have three girls. I praise God I do. And then 43, I get a boy. What? 43, right? And then I get a son. And then I watch him go through all kinds of ailments. Okay? Two months after he, he was alive, he's very healthy. We got his immunizations, and it was a three-in-one respiratory deer. Set him for a loop. I can't tell you, Renan, I don't remember how long it was. It was a couple of years. But we ended up with a pulmonary specialist. There's only one in Montana at the time. And he ended up doing what, like Berta did. They had a camera down his... But we had to go through heart doctors... Does he have cystic fibrosis? Because all because I'm convinced it was those shots. There's a purpose of me telling this story. But what had happened is that I finally got a boy. Wow. I'm going to do whatever I can to help my boy. And that's natural. But it really wasn't until I went like this. To the Lord. And I remember I was in the kitchen. I started to cry because it became an idol to me rather than this is the Lord's child. Look at him today, man. He's bombing down the mountain, skiing, no health issues. That's why I encourage my brother and sister with their boy. This will pass, it'll pass. I don't know why I shared that with you, but we can do that. Consecrate our children. Dedicate your children. We're Christians. You either believe it or you don't. I want the best for my kid, and the best I got from my kid is a relationship with God. Not money, not success. You know, that's all I got from my kids. That's pretty much all you've gotten anyway. <laughs> Kayla's hide her face. Honestly. As a dad, all I have, or for anybody walking on this planet, all I have is the Lord. 
That's the best. All the other stuff is fleeting and will fade away and trash, crash and burn. That's what I have, but I'm not done. So as I look at this thing and I look at this whole ball of wax and the thing just kept coming to me, and I've shared a lot of it already, is I cannot believe how far gone. This is just the United States. Forget it. The whole world. The, the stuff that is going on in the Middle East. You know, they, Israel gets blamed for everything. And that's all biblical as well. But we're watching. In, the, in Matthew 24, it says, What shall be the uh, sign of the end? His disciples are sitting there. And um, one of the verses said um, that lawless will abound and the love of many will be waxed cold. Question, who's the love of the many? As I'm reading that, I go, that's you and I. The love that we have, and you're watching it in the church today, they're taking Jesus out of the church. You know, they want to pay their mortgages and keep the thing going, so they compromise it and doing whatever they have to do to keep a big church. And so you begin to marry the world and everything out, and you throw this thing out. That's going on. But yet, we can become numb to it. Oh, well, you know, that just, that's just the way it is. We're watching all these laws and these things take place and being passed and even thought about. Over time, if the Lord should tarry, the Bible says the love of many will grow cold. And I can see it. It's like this. It's like the enemy's just succeeding and succeeding and succeeding and succeeding. And all this stuff is getting darker and darker and darker. But the light, darkness can't have anything to do with the light. And as long as you and I are here, the encouragement for me is that He'll see us to the finish line. He's promised to come get us. In the same chapter, in verse 36, it talks about no one knows the day nor the hour of Jesus coming back. But it did say that it would be in the days of Noah. So you can do yourself a Bible study. Go find out what was going on in the days of Noah, what we know about. I'm sure it was far worse because God said that's enough. And eight people floated away and he sealed the boat. He's coming back to judge the world, and it'll be by fire. But times are short. And Paul thought of that too, so I'm not going to say it could be another thousand years. I don't think so. I'm watching how rapidly it's changing in this country alone. It's becoming darker and darker. Lawlessness. Not the laws. Lawlessness. Pure evil. So I leave you with that as an encouragement. Stay close to the Lord. Times are going to get darker, but you and I are the light of the world. It's a great opportunity to reach the darkness. All these people in Romans 1, it says that we're simply by the things made, men will be out without excuse. The Creator has made a void that only God can fill. So He uses people like you and I as we interact wherever God sends us in this world, to be the light in the darkness because he wants to reach them. Amen?
Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.